0: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Now, Mehi Nui and welcome from Radio New Zealand National. Here's Our Changing World. And finally on Our Changing World tonight, the future of Antarctica's ice sheets. The West Antarctic ice sheet has long been thought of as fragile and at risk of melting as the oceans warm. But oceanographer Steve Rintel, who recently led an expedition to East Antarctica's Totten Glacier, says the East Antarctic ice sheet may not be a sleeping giant. He tells Veronica that East Antarctica is more sensitive to ocean warming than previously thought and could add to future sea level rise.
1: Antarctica holds a lot of ice. It holds so much ice that if all of it melted, it would raise sea levels by 58 meters. So we need to know what's happening in Antarctica. Even the loss of a small amount of Antarctic ice could change sea levels by a large amount. And it's a particularly exciting time to be doing science in this area because it's developing so rapidly, and our understanding of what's happening around Antarctica is rapidly increasing. If I take a step back first and think about the oceans and climate... One of the things that's important about the oceans is that it can store a lot of heat. In fact, more than 93% of the extra heat that's been stored by the oceans over the last 50 years is in the oceans. That means to understand climate change and to track how climate change is evolving, we need to be measuring the oceans. But there's another consequence of that warming of the oceans, and that's for Antarctica itself. And the Antarctic ice sheet is a, uh, it's a thick layer of ice, obviously up to three kilometers thick. And it flows. It spreads from the center of Antarctica out to the edges. And where the ice meets the ocean, it starts to float. And that forms what we call ice shelves. It's not sea ice. It's not frozen seawater. It's ice that uh, fell as snow on the continent and has flowed out to the oceans. And what's important about uh, these ice shelves is that they act like a buttress. They help hold the ice on Antarctica. Without the ice shelves, the ice sheet would be much thinner, um, and there would be much less ice on Antarctica. And that buttress effect is uh, something that we've known about for a long time, but what, what's new now is that we understand that the ice shelves are more sensitive to changes in the oceans than we ever thought.
0: We kind of thought that about the Western Antarctic ice sheet, the smaller of the two, that it was quite sensitive to
1: warming. That's right. So Antarctica is a whole, we often describe it as West Antarctica and East Antarctica. West Antarctica is the smaller of the two. It holds about... Um, seven or eight meters of the total of 58 meters of uh, sea-level equivalent volume of ice. But we know that West Antarctica is, is dynamic, and the West Antarctic ice sheet has waxed and waned at different periods in the Earth's history. And recent studies have shown that the ocean has a big part in driving that variability. And so warming oceans thin the ice shelves. As the ice shelves uh, thin or weaken or collapse, They provide less of a force on the ice to uh, keep the rest of the Antarctic ice on the continent. So as the ice shelves thin or weaken, more ice flows off the continent and into the sea, and that increases sea level. And so satellite data and ocean observations and measurements of the ice surface itself have shown that West Antarctica is thinning, the line where the glaciers start to float is retreating, uh, moving inland, and warm ocean waters have been shown to be responsible for that. So West Antarctica we've known has uh, is vulnerable to ocean heat and has changed in the past and so there's been some attention paid in recent years to the future of the West Antarctic ice sheet. One glacier in particular the Pine Island Glacier has sort of been the poster child for Antarctic ice loss and sea level rise driven by melting of Antarctic ice. East Antarctica on the other hand where most of the Antarctic ice is has long been thought to be pretty stable unlikely to change. hasn't changed much in the past. But there are three pieces of evidence that have started to challenge that picture. One was evidence that showed that past sea levels had been much higher. And in particular, three million years ago, a, a time period called the Pliocene, the sea level was about 20 meters higher than it is today. Now, the Pliocene, that time period is interesting because atmospheric CO2 levels were about the same as they are today, about 400 parts per million. Temperatures were about two or three degrees warmer than today, and sea levels were 20 meters higher than today. 20 meters is an important number because even if we melted all the ice on Greenland and lost all of the West Antarctic ice sheet, that's not enough water, not enough melted ice to explain a 20-meter sea level rise. The only other place that that water could come from is from melting of East Antarctic ice, so that's one of the pieces of evidence that East Antarctica may be more dynamic than we used to think second piece of evidence is from satellite data that shows that uh, East Antarctica in some locations has been thinning, and that's unexpected because we didn't think that it was as vulnerable to warm water, and therefore likely to thin, as we've seen in West Antarctica. The third piece of evidence was from uh, aircraft flying ground or ice-penetrating radar to measure the depth of the rock underneath the ice. And those showed that much more of East Antarctica is grounded well below sea level than we thought. And that makes it more vulnerable to changes in the ocean. So those three pieces of evidence: past sea levels, thinning from satellites, and the evidence that the uh, East Antarctica, much of East Antarctica, is grounded below sea level, all started focusing more attention on East Antarctica, and in particular, focusing uh, attention on a on one glacier called the Totten Glacier. This single glacier in East Antarctica holds enough ice that's equivalent to 3.9 meters of sea level. So it's like half of Greenland more ice flows out of that glacier than any other in East Antarctica, and satellite data shows that it's thinning more rapidly than any other East Antarctic glacier. And In fact, the most recent estimates show that this glacier is thinning about as rapidly as Pine Island Glacier, that poster glacier for Antarctic ice loss. The problem was that nobody had ever been there. Nobody had ever managed to get a ship to the Taunton Glacier and measure what the ocean temperatures were there. So last summer in uh, in January of, um, of 2015, We managed to get a ship to the Totten Glacier. It was... uh, Not just like that, I guess. (laughs) It wasn't quite that easy. In fact, as we approached the area in late December, I was trying to think how I was going to explain the fact that the expedition basically failed, because there was so much sea ice between us and the Totten Glacier that I didn't see any way that we would possibly get there. But we decided to have a go, and we got into, um, broke through the first part of ice. It took about a day and a half of heavy ice breaking, and we were still... Um, 150 kilometers away from the glacier itself. But we got lucky, basically. The um, the winds reversed direction to an unusual blew out of the southwest, which is not so common. And that shifted this huge mass of sea ice offshore and left a, um, a lead, uh, a crack in the ice about 100 meters or 200 meters across that led from where we were, uh, 60 kilometers, directly to the front of the Totten ice front. And so the captain and I had a... Uh, Discussion and he said, well, I I like what I see in the weather. I'll give you 48 hours, and then we have to be out of there. We made a dash for the Totten, and we're lucky enough that the conditions held long enough for us to get there, and we were able to make the first uh, measurements of the ocean close to the glacier. And what we found is that warm water does indeed reach the glacier, unlike we had long thought. So
0: while you were there for those 48 hours, were you able to take water samples, physical samples of the ocean?
1: We were. The whole goal of getting there was to measure it through the full ocean depth. And what we found is that the ocean's quite deep in front of the glacier, and that's important because those deep channels allow warm water to reach the cavity. We didn't realize this beforehand, but there's a deep trough about 1,100 meters deep right in front of the, the nose of the Totten.
0: There could even be a, a lens of warmer than usual water down there.
1: And so we measured the ocean temperatures and found that there is, at the bottom in this trough, a lens of uh, relatively warm water and that water is uh, several degrees warmer than would be required to melt ice at that temperature. So there's plenty of heat there to melt ice. And in fact we found in all the measurements that we made that there's warm water covering the entire continental shelf around this part of Antarctica. And that was really a complete surprise. We hadn't expected it to be as much warm water and as widespread as it is. The Totten really does look more like a West Antarctic glacier even though it's in East Antarctica. And we don't yet fully understand why warm water gets so far, can reach the Totten Glacier, whereas other glaciers nearby, that's not the case. And on the same expedition, we measured a uh, water conditions near the Mertz Glacier, only um, uh, 30 degrees of longitude um, further east, a few thousand kilometers further east. And there, there's no warm water reaching the Mertz Glacier. And so we used to think of East Antarctica as one thing that behaved all in a similar manner and that it was all isolated from warm waters and therefore not vulnerable to ocean change and not likely to change much in the future or make much of a contribution to future sea level. I think what's important about these recent results plus the evidence of the other studies that I mentioned before is that there's a strong case now that East Antarctica is not immune to changes in the ocean and that East Antarctica is likely to make more of a contribution to future sea level rise than we thought. This, along with other studies, is suggesting that the single greatest uncertainty in projections of future sea level rise has been the behavior of the ice sheets in Greenland and in Antarctica. All of this suggests that, that Antarctica will make a larger contribution to future sea level rise than we thought.
0: Would you go as far as saying that already East Antarctica is contributing as we speak? Because I'm just thinking back to recent work that was published a few months ago where some of the glaciers in the Amundsen Sea region of West Antarctica were described as having gone beyond a point of return. Would this be in the same category that we're now realising that East Antarctica is already contributing, already beginning to melt from below?
1: So the evidence from satellites shows that parts of East Antarctica are thinning and adding more water to the oceans and increasing sea level. Our ocean measurements, we can't say that anything has changed. This is the first time we've ever measured it. So we can't say that there's more uh, warm water reaching the glacier now than there was in the past. We have shown that warm water does reach the glacier and has the potential to drive melt of the ice shelves and and therefore loss of more ice from the uh, continent itself.
0: So it's warm enough to melt the
1: ice? Yes, so it's warm enough to drive melt of the ice shelves, and as the ice shelves melt, more ice flows off the continent and into the sea and increases sea level. But what is important to realize is that under some conditions, and this is true in West Antarctica and in parts of East Antarctica, including the Totten Glacier, if the bedrock that the ice is sitting on slopes down as you go into the uh, interior of Antarctica, that situation is unstable once an ice sheet in that configuration starts to retreat, starts to head further inland, the grounding line where the ice starts to float, once that starts to move further inland, once that starts, it's not reversible. It's important to understand that sea level is changing now and will continue to change, and it doesn't stop even if we stop emitting carbon. The best projections now for sea level rise by the end of this century are up to about a meter from the IPCC. But the IPCC makes the point that sea level will then continue to rise because of uh, the inertia in the system. It takes a while for the the impacts of the CO2 we're emitting today to have their influence on the Earth. So sea level will continue to rise for many centuries to come, even if we stopped emitting um, carbon dioxide. And that's both because the oceans will continue to warm, and as they warm, they expand and also because the likelihood of melting ice, either glaciers or the major ice sheets, also increases with time. The ice sheets have always been thought of being the slow, the really slow part of the climate system. It took a long time for ice sheets to form and a long time for them to melt. One of the most important um, areas of research right now is better understanding of the dynamics of those ice sheets. And that research is pointing to much faster response of the ice sheets than we thought. And so while the most uncertain part of future sea level remains the behaviour of the ice sheets, all of the recent research is pointing towards a more responsive ice sheet and therefore a, la- a larger contribution and more rapid contribution of uh, ice melt from Greenland and Antarctica to future sea level rise.
0: And that was Steve Frentel, an oceanographer at the Antarctic Climate and Ecosystems Cooperative Research Centre in Hobart. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web. Radio NZ. Dot forward slash our changing world. Matewa.
1: Botox Cosmetic, Botulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full
0: prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit botoxcosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300.
1: Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name.